The Bloom Podcast about bioeconomy. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Bloom Podcast. In this podcast series, we address different aspects of the bioeconomy and talk to different experts, not only to understand the potential, but also the limits and challenges of bioeconomy. My name is Lotta Westerberg Thomasson, and today I am talking to Josefin Illegård. You're a PhD and platform coordinator at TreeSearch in Sweden. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. So, uh, could you please just explain what this TreeSearch is? So TreeSearch, we call it that it is a platform for uh, collaboration on the research on new materials from the forest. So uh, we really want to support collaboration uh, on the research and support the researchers with the right tool to develop uh, the new materials from forest. TreeSearch, it is a Swedish initiative and it's open for all researchers at Swedish universities. And it's uh, an initiative together with uh, universities, uh, companies, the industry and the institutes and the government and with support from uh, private foundation. That sounds really interesting. Um, if, if we talk about your own experience in, in research and um, this research about new materials, how did you get into research? Well, it was more a coincidence. Uh, I was not going to do a PhD. I wasn't going to become a researcher, but things turned out other, uh, otherwise. I started my career at uh, the institute that's now Rise Bioeconomy. And found it so interesting that I later joined, <laughs> that I later got a PhD position at KTH. So I did a PhD project on antibacterial materials. And well, I'm still in the research and still on new materials from the forest. It's so interesting. Okay, this this about um, uh, forest and new materials. Why is it interesting? Why do we need to exchange um, existing materials with these uh, new innovations from the forest? Do you think? I think you can look at it in many ways from the researcher's perspective. I think it's so very interesting everything that you can do from a tree from. A broader perspective, uh, we it's, it's this about the forest. Well, it's renewable. Uh, we can't depend on the oil anymore uh, to build up our society. And of course, we in Sweden and in many parts of Northern Europe, we have a lot of forest. This is a, a we have a really nice assets for making materials from the forest. I would I would like you to do do a bit of explanation ab- about the material you, you or the, the the small parts of the wood the the tree that you can use. What do, does your researchers use for parts? Uh, we know it's something called cellulose, lignin. Could you please just explain a bit about those parts? 
I should say we use all parts of the tree from the bark to the cellulose and make uh, components from it. But the main, uh, the main components that we use, cellulose, uh, lignin and hemicellulose. You can say that the cellulose is the fibers or what makes up the, uh, the cell wall of the tree. So it's really uh, the fibers that you have in paper, for instance, that's cellulose, that's cellulose that you want. You, you have this network that you could make new materials from and you can also make them into non-cellulose uh, and build new materials from there. And then you have the lignin, that's kind of the glue uh, in, in the wood. It's a much more complex uh, molecule, but it's also more, if you would look more on the fossil-based polymers and uh, components that you get from that, much more like it. So it's easier to make wood-based plastics, for instance, with it. Okay. Um, and then you have the hemicellulose, which is... Well, hemicellulose, you can hear in the name, it resembles cellulose, but there are other, it's a little bit other, is um, cellulose, or what is it, chemical, com chemical composition. We still don't use a lot of hemicellulose at this moment, but you can make different, you can make different glues, for instance, or for instance, you can use it instead of plastics to make barriers, but still, all of these components we still need to know more about. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why we have researchers as you that uh, want to, to, uh, to understand and make it possible for us, the other in society, to use this kind of new things. But have we, um, when did it start? Could you say like that? Because this is, tree search is quite a new um, cooperation and, and but we have had forest, of forest industry and forest research a very long time up here in the Nordic countries. Um, but when did it really happen that we got interested in, in these small parts of, of, of the forest? Do you uh, oh, have, uh, have a sense of that? Well, forest industry and the paper industry, I think that's where it's all, that's of course where it's all started. When was it? 1900s? Yeah, the industrialism uh, probably. The, the, the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then we, we have been using the chemistry to make pulp, to make paper for a long time. So the interest in these components and finding the chemical composition and everything has it's uh, been there a long time. And you can find still really interesting articles. Um, when was it? I saw some article now from perhaps 1920 or something. Uh, where we started to go deeper into this. But then we started using oil and all <laughs> everyone was looking more into oil. So we got a little bit, well, the research continued, but it went down. With, with uh, interest in oil, uh, the research in more biobase got down. But now we're going up again. Uh, I don't know if that was the real answer. We have been looking at this for a long time. But what is happening now is also that we have new tools for understanding and what we uh, and looking into things. For instance, we have uh, the synchrotron lights that we are starting 
or synchrotron uh, source that we started to look into our materials and processes. For instance, we have this Max 4 in Lund uh, that we that you can use to find out even more than what's been possible before. How? Please explain. <laughs> well, a synchrotron is, you could just say, is a really large instrument to see very, very small things. Because then you, with there you have the small beam that could go really, the resolution is much, much higher there than when you can get in the lab. And it's faster also, so you can make more measurements. So actually, we are in three such. One part is to make your own beam line for forest materials uh, that's called Formax, which is, I think, something unique. Uh, there are several synchrotrons around the world, but this to have one just designated for uh, materials from the forest, that's something really, really unique. You talked about small, small things. Uh, I know that you have worked at research a lot with nanocellulose, as you mentioned. Could you explain how you do the research around nanocellulose? First, nanocellulose is what you get when you uh, divide, split uh, a cellulose fibers into its smallest fibrils. So we could say it's, uh, that the cellulose fiber is consisting of uh, nanocellulose. Uh, when you get to nanocellulose, you get different properties. Nanocellulose is used in different ways. It depends a little bit what you want to do with the nanocellulose. If you want to make a lightweight material, uh, or you can make the, the really, really strong material, strong paper, strong fibrils, or you could, you could use it... Uh, yeah, you could use it in many ways. But it's... Uh, nanocellulose, we need to find more about because when you when you talk about research on new materials, uh, I should say also that it's one thing on making the material itself, like kind of discovering a new material, like where you have make a say an aerogel, that's a new type of material. But the research is also including the development and optimization of the processes to make it. Uh, and with nanocellulose, for instance, it takes up a lot of water, and that is something that you could use. But it could also be a problem when you want to have a dry materials. Materials, so that's something, uh, that's examples of what research is looking at. So at TreeSearch, you do all the, those kind of research and development? Uh, TreeSearch is not doing any own research, or we have some products that we are funding, though. Of course, we always have to have some exception. But we, uh, the researchers that's included in our network, they have their own projects and uh, doing all this. Not least in this center, Wallenby uh, Wood Science Center. Uh, that's the largest center in Sweden one of the larger centers in the world. So yes, we have researchers looking at all aspects of this, uh, not only for nanocellulose, but the other components as well. And what, what are the challenges then um, do you see uh, when you work with this research? What's the most important factors to, to, to succeed, yeah, to, to get these new materials out on the market, for example? 
After the market, I think uh, we come more into economics. And now you can do a lot of things. Some things are still demanding a lot of energy. So that could and scale up. So that things for succeeding on the market. When, but you could also succeed in, the re, in research, of course. Uh, and there you need to have this competence. It's really important to have this broad view of what a tree is, what a tree can do, and really in-depth knowledge, and also be able to collaborate. That's something really important now. Nowadays, you, uh, you need so... Even if I say that you need a competence, that could be that you are working together with someone with a competence because we need to work together. Yes, that's a really important uh, goal for for this uh, European project Bloom as well. Do you see any problems with using the tree and forest more than we are doing today? There is always... uh, this question of will there be enough forest? For that, I can say we are using too much resources as we are already today. We can't continue as we're doing today. So it's not only about making new materials from the forest or finding new other bio-based resources. We need also change in society. At least that's my own opinion. Then we also have a responsibility of having a sustainable uh, forest so that we are managing our forests in the best way. And there are other researchers uh, looking into this, so I'm not the expert on that, but it's uh, keeping uh, good forest management and preserving the biodiversity is really important. But you see the future with more products and materials from the wood, I assume. Uh, What's the most interesting uh, new thing uh, coming from the wood, you think, as a researcher? I think that these strong filaments of small fibers that you can make on a nanocellulose is really interesting. In those fibrils you use the strength of this uh, nanocellulose by aligning them so that you can use the full strength and that I think is a really nice concept. Explain a bit about your own research and this thing about uh, hygienic materials in in hospitals and and, and health. What's the future there for tree and the the forest material. I don't know if you want me to go started on this antibacterial <laughs> materials. <laughs> Please. Yes, yeah, so that, that is my own research area, uh, making antibacterial materials. And we are not doing it in a more environmental friendly way than, uh, than some other types, because we're not releasing anything into the, the surrounding environment. Instead, we are having something called contact active material where we have the antibacterial uh, functionality attached to the fibers. So the bacteria that get in contact with the material itself and there, well, there it gets inactivated. So uh, we kill it on the surface of the material, 
we we have been trying a little bit different concepts there. One thing has been to make to purify water, because this works kind of like a, a bacteria magnet. So it attracts the bacteria. So what if you could just have your take some water and put in your fibers, shake it a little bit, and then all the bacteria gets stuck to the fibers and then you have drinking water. Well, that that was at least the start of a PhD project where we purified water. We couldn't really do it as simple as that. You have to form a filter for it because you have not only, you have particles, not only bacteria. Josephine, is there any products that's on the market already that you have um, started or has started as research uh, in, in your platform? I should not say I take any credit for uh, the platform or the platform doesn't take any credit for <laughs> this is first. but projects that have been carried out within this uh, research area, sure there is. Um, no, you can already now buy nanocellulose from d- different providers. So that's something that you can buy and use. Uh, for materials, uh, we have uh, uh, Storenzo, for instance, they have a kind of, they bought up a startup company uh, that's now part of Storenzo, where they have, uh, where they've been further developing research that from uh, Wallenberg Wood Science Center uh, and turn it in and commercialized it. So there are some ex- there are some examples. I should <laughs> there are also other things that can stem out from this research. We have uh, a textile uh, in the textile industry we have a company called Renew Cell that's uh, re- that is on recycling uh, textiles. That's also something that you could use this, uh, this insights that you get from this research. Because cotton, if we talk about cotton, that's also cellulose. So they are common chemical uh, compounds there. Yeah, you were talking about this um, process when making these new materials that... Uh, you do research and development of those as well. And that goes in, in into the concept of circular economy, doesn't it? What's your thoughts about circular uh, economy in, in bioeconomy? I think it's important to include circularity when you're developing a product. It's also important to increase the research on circularity uh, in combination with the bioeconomy. I should say, f- uh, on on a research level, we're not always there yet to think about the full life cycle. Uh, there are projects that are looking into this, but generally, I think it we could be better. Uh, but it's also a question when you go to more. Did you go? F- from research, going this step, going between research and development. We're focusing in this Bloom project in the Nordic Hub uh, on wood and forest because we have that strong history in that area. But 
as you mentioned, you get interest and collaboration all over the world. Um, what do you think is the most important thing we can share with the rest of Europe and, and, and other countries in the world in this field? We are already sharing I mean, the research is open. We publish uh, the results open. So I think it's we are sharing and we want to keep it that way or increase collaboration. We can't close to the scientific borders, so to say. There are other countries that ha that uh, are strong in this field. From Sweden is collaborating with Finland. We're collaborating with Canada. We need to have an open mind for other countries as well. Perhaps that's something. China is, of course, we talked about European, but I, I want to keep it international because research is international. <laughs> It's important to keep up the scientific discussion. It's important to keep it an openness. It's important that we keep publishing when it comes to research and that we keep up collaborations. Even if now, of course, in this COVID-19 times, more and more have become digital, which of course is also opportunities. I read about something I think is quite uh, fascinating um, that uh, you've been been part of uh, at research in, in in some levels. It's this transparent wood hmm. that you can see through wood. Could you talk a bit about that? It was Professor Lars Beilund who had this project of making uh, a transparent wood within this again it was within the center Wallenberg Wood Science Center uh, so when you make pulp fibers for making paper you remove the lignin uh, and this and lignin is what makes it a little bit uh, one of the things that makes it a little bit yellowish brown you know how a paper could look like if it's not bleached uh, so they had the idea instead of removing the lignin from a piece of wood. So they started with a piece of wood. Normally we start with disintegrating uh, the wood as, into as much as possible sometimes. But here they had this wood uh, piece and removed the lignin. So it kept the structure. Uh, the cell walls were still there and instead, so it, it really turned into a white material then with just the cellulose that's left a little bit brittle material. Uh, what they have done, uh, the research, research group then has done is to fill in these voids where the lightning was, for instance, with a polymer that has the same refraction index as cellulose. And when you have two components that have the same refraction index, the eye sees it as only, as only one, so you get more transparent. So this, this was something a researcher just was curious about, or did they have a thought about how to use this from the beginning? What always is driving a researcher, to say, or at least the ones that are successful, is curiosity. It's always nice to think that you have an application in the end, 
but that's not the thing that's driving it. What if it's more like what if understanding what if we could make or transpired and then asking the question how can we make it what can we learn from it so they have been looking at it at a nano level and now that we have we've come so far that we can more see it uh, on that high resolution it's also that relying on the things that we learned before this is using the things that they have learned from the paper making and taking it one step further that's also something uh, I think is, is general important in research. We're taking steps that so many others uh, have worked before us to really gather. And that's also coming back to this openness in science, that we have these publications, that we have so much knowledge and competence that we can continue to build on. Yeah, it, it's such a beautiful uh, work you do. Um, it's so interesting just to 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 um, work with with new ideas almost every day. I I'm really fascinated. I don't have the patience though myself to do it. <laughs> so, do you have anything else you would like to add? I think it's really good people get to learn more about bioeconomy but it's also fascinating one thing that's fascinating is that bioeconomy is not something new we got a short interruption by the this oil the fossil based society and now we're going back to bioeconomy but we're not going back to the old bioeconomy we're going back into a new phase of the bioeconomy and that i hope is something that the research that's going on in Sweden and the Nordic countries, in Europe, in the world could help to make, to form our new future. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Josephine, for the interview. Thank you. For Dear listener, <laughs> for more information on bioeconomy and the Bloom project, please visit our website www.bloombioeconomy.eu There you also can find relevant contact information as well as a dialogue zone where you can share your opinion on, on bioeconomy and ask questions. We try to answer them as quick as possible. Stay tuned for the Bloom podcast for more interesting interviews and talks with experts on bioeconomy related topics. Thank you. The Bloom Podcast about bioeconomy.